Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Tonight, I do want to talk about one of the most intimate forms of worship that, uh, that I've ever experienced and that I do continue to experience. Um, it's an intimate form of worship. Um, it's been one of the most challenging and uh, one of the most rewarding forms of worship. It's been uh, one of the most helpful form of wor- forms of worship for me, and it's been one of the biggest bonding experiences um, for me and God. And um, I'm sure by now you're completely like, man, what in the world is that? And it might surprise you when I say what it is. It's tithing. It's tithing. And so, yeah, some people are like, tithing? What? You want the church to get money from me? No. So, but it's tithing. And, um, you know, when I'm praying, when a typical student pastor's like, Lord, what do I tell the students about? Like, I don't know how many of those guys get tithing, you know? So I know this is not like the normal uh, student or youth message, but um, it's big on my heart because I grew up in a denomination. They just, they didn't talk anything about it. You didn't learn a lot about God or his word. It was very traditional, but it was a matter of you, you flick your few coins in the bucket and shoot a little finger gun to the big, big, the big man upstairs, you know, and boom, that's what you did, right? And so for me, tithing didn't make any sense. And when I, I some, a lot of you know, there was a season of my life I didn't really believe in God. And one of the reasons is because I would see like these golden chalices and, and all this type of stuff in these churches that I was going to and I mean, everything was millions of dollars, and it was just like, man, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I giving my money there? And so I was totally against tithing. And so one of the things or one of the reasons I'm super excited about tithing is I want you guys to not have that mindset. Y'all get what I'm saying? And so um, before I get into the meat of the message, it's not going to be a really long message, but before I get into the meat of the message tonight, um, I want to answer two questions. The two questions I want to answer is, what is tithing? And then, is tithing for the New Testament Christians today? That's two big questions. Um, What is tithing? And many of you say, well, I already know what that is. And maybe so, but maybe not from this perspective. And then, is it still relevant for you guys? Is it still relevant for me? Is tithing really a thing? And then I'm going to get into a few other things. But first, um, really basics. If you've never heard of that, let's say you just stumbled in here tonight, which I don't see anybody that just stumbled in here tonight, but if you did, um, tithing actually means a tenth or 10%. Um, and the act of tithing is simple. It's giving that tenth or 10%, right? So super basic. Um, and we see tithing throughout the Bible. We see tithing throughout the Bible. We see it with Abraham. And I'm, I'm giving you these little details before we get into it, because some people who like to refute things I want them to have the, the material to go and do their own homework. So um, we see tithes out of the Bible. Abram, Abram tithed, Joseph tithed, both of them in Genesis, if you want to go look there. If you look in Numbers, you see, and in Leviticus, you see the Levitical tithe, which is the, the Israelites would tithe to the worship team in Leviticus. And so they would do their tithing there. And then after that, people would start tithing uh, under the Mosaic law. You're getting that... Uh, that thing right in the middle of the preaching sermon there, huh? Perfect timing. Great time to do that. Anyway, back to tithing. Um, this, when I say tithing, this is something 
that uh, most people think about. It's this scripture, Leviticus 27.30, all right? Uh, it says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And so that's the Mosaic law. I know this is kind of redundant, but the reason that it's important is when we think of tithing, we think of the law of tithing or the rule of tithing. Raise your hand if you feel like, and I'm not going to say, aha, at the end of the message. It's just genuine genuine, uh, genuine consensus. Yeah, thank you. Um, that tithing is a law. It's a rule. Raise your hand. And you're not going to be, I'm not going to say, aha, you said this or whatever. No. Okay, a law or a rule. Okay, and that's that's reasonable because this this right here, what I just read, is the Mosaic law, and that's where we get tithing for the church. Um, so because it means a tenth, it means a tenth percent, and then Moses said to do it, that's a law. That leads to the second question. Is it still in effect today? Because for those of you who've read the, the Bible or have heard this before, the New Testament says we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace, Right? Jesus freed us from the law um, of slavery, and we live in grace now. And so what that means is a lot of people say, hey, man, uh, we're still, we don't have to tithe anymore. We don't have to tithe anymore. Um, what I would say is, is this. It depends on what tithe you're talking about. I'm going to tell you there's two kinds of tithes. There's two kinds of tithes. One of them is the Mosaic law tithe. The other tithe is a tithe that's completely different, and it actually comes before Moses, okay? So in, um, in the Mosaic law, which I believe was in Leviticus, uh, we see that command from God. But in Genesis, there's something else. So Genesis comes before Leviticus. In Genesis, we see something else. It's, a- it's Abram. It's something to do with Abram. So I'm going to kind of sum up this story. So everybody familiar with like Abram and Sarai and then Lot and who was Lot's wife's name? It always just says Lot's wife. Does anybody know her name? Just Lot's wife. Poor girl. No, no, nobody looking at her. Anyway, so Lot and his wife, some, some, some girl, I guess. So pretty much they're like traveling through some land, and all of a sudden, a, a Lot and his wife and like all their farm animals and everybody just gets like taken by the by a couple of kings. So like the king of Sodom was at war with another nation. There was this big battle going on, and then Abram gets word out of nowhere, people come up to Abram and say, dude, people took Lot, old girl, his wife, and all their stuff. What are we going to do about it? So who's ever seen the movie The 300? It's rated R. You shouldn't see. I'm just joking. Um, All right. So he gets 318 of his guys. Abram gets 318 of his guys, and they go out and start fighting in the middle. So there's a big war going on. Abram goes out fights these people just to get all his stuff back, and he goes back to his place and minds, and those, minds his own business, he ends up winning the war for these guys, and all he wanted was his stuff back. So when he, he wins the war, pe- people are coming back and getting settled. Well, it says this king, Melchizedek, who was like a foreshadowing or a type and shadow of Jesus, came, and he was a priest to God. And I'm going to read where that took off. This is the first time tithing was ever brought up in the Bible. Genesis 14 uh, starting in verse 17, it says, as Abram returned from his victory over, I don't even, not even going to try that name, uh, and his allies. So that guy and his allies, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavi or Shave, uh, depending on who cares. That is the king's valley. 
Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, brought him bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. He said, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who who has helped you conquer your enemies today. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So Abram didn't do this out of rule or obligation or law, right? There was no law mandated that he needed to tithe. He just decided to give 10% to this priest unto God. We just see to this priest unto God. Abram did it. Why? He did it out of worship. He did it out of thankfulness. And he did it out of gratitude because he just said, who has, who helped you conquer your enemies today? Then Abram recognized that this was a man of God. He was a priest and he tithed. Fast forward to the New Testament. Guys, it's going to get more interesting. I'm just, I want to provide your apologetics. Um, so did Jesus ever say, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, that's fine and dandy, but did Jesus never said nothing about the tithe. That's also not true. Yes, he did. Um, in Luke 11.42, um, you know, all of our favorite characters, the Pharisees, invite Jesus over to a party. And so he's there, and they're just ragging out everybody at the party. So they're at this table, and they're looking at Susie and John, and they're like, oh, my God, Susie's outfit's terrible. John's disgusting. You know, like they're ragging out all these people, right? And then uh, Jesus finally has enough, and he starts telling them. He looks at the, the silverware. He looks at the plates, and he starts saying how, hey, guys, you know, you got, like, fine dining material in here. But it doesn't match your heart. And he's just, he's talking a whole lot about like, man, you look nice on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is wicked. And then he picks up here in Luke eleven forty two, He says, but how terrible it will be for you, Pharisees, for you, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you, for, you completely forget about justice and the love of God. So he's telling them, you think you're mighty, like you think you're holy, you're tithing. And you're really careful about it, but you forget about the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. So Jesus isn't discrediting the tithe. He's saying to do it, but he's saying just because you're tithing and you're religious about it doesn't mean that that's pleasing to God. Does that make sense? And so he's validating the tithe. So the answer to the question, is the tithe still important today? It depends. If it's tithing out of law, no. If it's tithing out of worship, yes. It still, it still stands today. The reason I say that is in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, you must make up your own mind as to how you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. You know, um, my approach to tithing has never been like, all right, you've talked me into it. Here's 10 bucks, you know, or or whatever, right? My approach has never been that. As a matter of fact, like I told you um, a while ago, my approach to tithing at one point was like, I'm not doing that. Like, no. And to be honest with you guys, I think it's a healthier place to be saying, I'm not doing that, than to just religiously do it because you think you're legally bound to do it. And this is why. If you're just doing it just to do it, you're not really going to get out of the tithe what God intends for you to get out of the tithe. If you're not going to do it, at least you're being honest with your heart. At least you're being honest with the Lord. And at least you're just being real. The worst thing to be is an inoculated fake Christian because you're not going to receive the power that God has for you in your life. 
and you're going to lose faith that God can actually do something. Does that make sense? So, um, obedience aside, why tithe? Obedience aside, why tithe? So I kept it real when I said I'm not going to do it. The difference tonight isn't that I'm not going to keep it real with you guys. I'm about to get in a lot of personal detail about tithing and all that type of stuff. Um, but my views changed. And my views changed because of really two scriptures. I'm not going to put them up. But you remember when Jesus uh, healed the blind man and the blind man had uh, his parents were freaking out and uh, the Pharisees were like, who healed this guy? And, and, and they were debating over whether Jesus could heal him. And they said Jesus was a sinner. And the blind man's response was, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. His point was, look, man, I don't know how to argue with you about it. But now I'm seeing. You're missing the point, right? So his point was, I had an experience, right? So one of my reasons for sharing this is I've had many experiences with this. And I want you guys to... to feed from this. And the second point is a scripture out of Revelations when it says you overcome the enemy by the power of your testimony, the blood of the lamb and the power of your testimony. One of the things that we'll talk about in a second is the enemy's after your heart in every way he can get it. And one of those ways is is the tithe. And so when I hear people talk about, well, now you shouldn't do that anymore and now you should and all that type of stuff, I think the enemy's after people's heart. And so tonight, the the first little point that I want to talk about is Tithing improves your relationship with God. It improves your relationship with God because it increases your dependency on God and it increases your trust in him. I'll give you guys a quick story. I got saved a year into getting saved. I was battling with this tithing thing. I'd, hear, I'd see tithe boxes on the back wall, um, all this type of stuff. And so I was like wondering, man, should I do that or not? Um, what is a tithe? And when I found out it was 10%, I'm like, 10%? Like I it was like 10 bucks. Like 10% of like 600 bucks is 60 bucks. That's, a, that's way more than 10, you know? And so I'm going back and forth with this thing. So here I was, I'm going to UL. I was coaching boxing. I wasn't making enough money. And I decided I was going to start my own pressure washing business. And so um, I had enough money to buy a pressure washer, but guess what I wanted to make? Some shirts right? So I wanted to be able to hand out shirts. I wanted to be able to get on a job site and pressure wash um, in, in a business shirt. I wanted to look official, right? And so I had saved up enough money for four shirts and it was $126.20. Remember that number, $126.20. Well, I added up the money I had made for a few jobs and guess what the tithe came out to? $126.20. True story. So I had already placed an order on these shirts. It was a Monday um, that I had to go pick up my shirts, and they were a place off of campus, $126.20. I figure out the math, and I'm sitting in church on Sunday when I figured it out. Like many of you, I was on my phone when Pastor Ty was preaching, and I figured out on the calculator, and I walked out of the church, and I went in my truck, and I felt like Man, if I'm ever going to do this, I'm going to do it right now. And he, God either works or he don't. So I went back and I said, well, man, I already left. If the door is unlocked, I'll go give this money. I had the cash in my wallet because I was going to pay cash for the shirts the next day. I went inside. Door was unlocked. People were still talking. I dropped it in the, in the deal. Had no idea how I was going to go get those shirts. I was going to walk in the next day and say, hey, I don't have the money. 
Can I work and make a few extra jobs and I'll come back and pay you? Can you just hold them? I'm going through all that stuff. An hour before I had to go get those shirts, my dad calls me. God honest truth. My dad calls me. He says, hey, man, he he knows nothing about tithing at this point. He was totally against it at this point, and he was super about finances. You know, my dad's a real financial guy. Um, If I'd ever told him I'd be tithing, he'd have probably sliced me up, right? He calls me, and he goes, hey, uh, real quick, dude, just want to let you know uh, um, your income tax check came in from last year. I'm going to forge your signature on the back, and I'm going to go drop it in the bank for you. He said, I'm going to send you a picture of it and, and the amount. Guess what the amount was? It, it wasn't 126.20. It was 126. So it was off 20 cents. But the, the check that I got back from the government was $126. I had enough money to go pay for it. I never skipped a beat. I never skipped a beat. You know what that taught me? I could trust God. It taught me that um, if I depended on Him and trusted Him, He would come through for me. A lot of tonight, that was the teaching part. The rest of this is just going to be testimony and preaching just to give you a heads up. And like this type of stuff, guys, has made the biggest difference in my life. The second thing, um, whenever I came here talking about trust and dependency and gr- the tithe growing my relationship, the second thing is whenever I came here, um, I had a great job lined up, um, all kind of stuff I was fixing to jump into. And I'll get to it later, but I literally showed up on the scene over here. I had enough money to put gas in my truck, drive two hours to come here, and enough money to make it to work and pay rent, my last month's rent. Um, I didn't have any money for food, none. And I, got, I hadn't gotten my first paycheck here yet. So I was working, and I, I literally ran out of food on Tuesday. And I thought, well, I get paid at midnight on Friday, so I'm just not going to eat on Wednesday and Thursday. I didn't want to ask anybody. Part of me didn't want nobody to know that. So I just didn't say nothing. No one knew. I get here on Wednesday, um, and that's the part, I left the part out. The money that I had for food was what I needed to tithe. And so I tithed it. Well, I get here on Wednesday. Mr. John, for those of you who know him, said, hey, bub. As some of you know, he talks. Hey, bub. He said, how about, uh, how about we go to Subway today? I was like, all right. He said, well, I usually take Brother A to, to lunch on Thursdays. He can't go tomorrow. So I, I made plans, but I like my Subway. So we went. He bought me a foot-long sub. I ate half of it. I saved the other half for supper. So I'm like, great. One day down, I'm just going to be starving tomorrow, and that's it. And so um, I'm trimming hedges in the front. I pass the tides off on Thursdays, and he always has a date with Olivia on Thursdays. That was their, their daddy-daughter thing. Well, that particular Thursday, something came up that fell through. He was swinging by. He's off. He goes, hey, dude, you ate yet? And it was like 1 o'clock. I was like, no, sir. He's like, hey, let's go get some food. Went, ate half the meal, saved the rest. So the, ne- the good news is I got paid the next day. The not so good news is I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a place to live. My, my last payment of rent was, was done. I, my, I had a rent house. I, I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have a place to go. So I was literally totally trusting God, totally trusting God. And so I was like, man, um, Lark, if you don't provide for me, what am I going to do? I get a phone call um, from Elijah. The, for those of you who don't know Elijah, he pastored Fusion before me. 
he calls me. He was still, still a pastor here. And you can validate this story from him if you want. And I encourage you to. It just gives more glory to God. He calls me. Matt Hasling was supposed to be watching his house or house sitting for him for a week. And last minute, he couldn't do it. So him and Kia, his wife, are figure, they're struggling trying to figure out who's going to house sit us and watch our dog for a week. Meanwhile, I'm praying in the back over here, God, where am I going to sleep? Am I going to sleep in my truck? Am I going to sneak and sleep at the church because I have keys to this place? I don't know what I'm going to do. Where am I going to shower until I can save enough money for a down payment at an apartment? On, on, and on. So I don't know what to do. Um, my phone rings. Elijah, man, you do me a huge favor. It don't feel obligated, but, and he tells me the situation. He's like, bro, we got the whole house stocked with food already for Matt. Like, it's going to go bad, some of it. Like, would you come and stay at the house and eat our food? I was like, yes, Lord, I'll come. At your... So that really happened. While I'm at Elijah's house, I'm worried. Another paycheck comes. Here comes the tithe. And I'm thinking, okay, am I going to tithe or am I going to save this to go towards a down payment on an apartment? Because I'm trying to crunch the numbers here. I made a little bit more, so, but I, I chose, God, You've taken care of me this far. I'm going to tithe again. So I chose to tithe. And when I, when I did, a phone call came in towards the end of the day. I tithed that morning. A phone call came in. It was Aaron and Charity. It's my best friend and his wife. And you guys, I know Celeste actually lives in their mother-in-law suite now. But, you know, you could ask them this story. They call and said, hey, we're in Thailand right now, but the people that we're looking that, that we're looking at a house and the people are wanting to close and we're not going to be back for a month. Can you go and sign for the house and you can stay there until we get back? And, and we won't be back for a month. And I'm like, so like I can go and just sign for your house because I had did the legal work to be able to do that if that happened. Literally, I had enough time to go sign for their house, move all of my, all of my stuff out of Elijah's room for the time I was staying there, move it into their house. When they came back, I'm still in that process. I was one check away from moving out of their house and, and to putting a down payment on an apartment, and I had to tithe. Again, tithing got in the way, right? I chose not to, not to spend that money. I chose to tithe it. And the reason was I couldn't afford what Aaron and them were asking me to pay in rent. I never told them that. I never griped about it. Nothing. Um, they get back. They said, hey, man, what we're thinking, we really would like you to be able to stay back there. We're going to make an adjustment on the rent, um, and there's no down payment required. So what I had saved up for a down payment on an apartment was actually going to go to my first month's rent. Like, I'm telling you the details of this, guys, because, man, God is in, he's a, such a detailed God, and he really does come through. When God tells you that I will come through for you, listen, Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple if you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven to you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and let me prove it to you. So God actually wanted me to test him. He actually said, hey, give it a shot. Test me. So what it does is it really tests my faith. If that's wrong and he's telling me test me in this and that's wrong, that's going to do a blow to my faith. But he wanted me to do that just so I could, I could trust him more. I have, my trust grows every single time I tie to God. Every single time. Now, I'm not telling you that there's not times that I go without, and I'm not telling you it's always pretty and there's never struggles. 
But what I am telling you is I do have stories like this, and they, and they are directly related to a tithe. Another thing is um, it keeps your heart loyal to God. Tithing will keep your heart loyal to him. When we think about a desire, right now, I want you to picture a desire you got in your head, something that you want. I'll give you a few seconds. Usually that desire, if you got it in your head, is either a material possession or a relationship. It's usually one or, one or the other. If it's a material possession, it costs money. And if it's a relationship, if you're in one, you know that costs money too, all right? Um, if you're not, save your money and tithe. Um, the problem is that sometimes we have to choose between God and money, especially in the context of desires, whether it be material possessions or relationships. Sometimes we have to choose. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That word money is translated from mammon, which is actually a God people worshipped, the God of mammon, which was the God of money. And so what Jesus is saying here is, your heart is going to be loyal, more loyal to one than the other. And so... Um, when faced with a choice, do I obey God or choose money? What you choose really matters about where you invest. It really matters about where you invest. Sometimes your obedience to God will bring money, but not always. And I'll give you guys an example of something I just mentioned. When I graduated college, um, I had a, a very well-paying job with a very promising future there. Um, I was about to get engaged. I was about to buy a really nice house, um, all of that. And I felt the Lord had told me in my heart that I would do both business and ministry. I'd do both in my life. And I felt God tell me I would fund the kingdom of God. And so I would look for little opportunities like, man, Lord, what could I fund? What if I could send every student on a missions trip and I pay for it? Or I would dream about ways that, and all of a sudden, God flips the script on me. He didn't say none of that was ever true, but it wasn't in the order or the way that I thought. Instead, God said, would you lay down that house for me? Would you lay down that relationship for me? Would you lay down that job opportunity for me? And I'm like, for what? And the Lord's like, what if I'm calling you into ministry now? So I was in a position to have to choose between desires, which required finances, or following the Lord. And I'll get to something later, how God really restored all that stuff because of my obedience to him. And, and the way he did it actually was for less money with better results. But anyway, because I was regularly tithing every week or every time I was getting paid, I was having to take the funding of those dreams and desires and first submit them to God. I was having to take my heart and first submit it to God because of tithing. It kept my heart in line with God. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Every time you or me have the opportunity to tithe, we have an opportunity to worship God from a loyal and dependent heart. Um, one more thing about the war that goes on between God and mammon in your heart. Um, 
you're going to go through that right now. A lot of this stuff, guys, you might not be able to relate to because you might not have a job or you might have unsteady income or it's kind of why I'm telling it to you now is it's a whole lot easier to tithe, you know, 10% of a hundred dollars than it is to tithe 10% of $2,200. Like 10 bucks, giving that away is really not that hard. $220 is like, wait, for real? Like we really got to keep doing this. There's not a limit. You don't get to where like, all right, if you reach $300 a tithe, you don't have to tithe anything over that. It's really 10%. Yeah. But if you learn how to do it with what little you have, it's easy to continue to do. Start winning the war early when it's a small battle and don't start fighting that war when it's a bigger battle. That's why I'm telling you this so early. Um, and I'll give you an example of how such a small thing. Um, I had gotten a raise and uh, went fishing. And this is going to sound so silly, but while I'm fishing, um, I remembered, man, I got, I got a raise. And so normally I'd tithe a certain amount. And talking about keeping your heart in line with God, I literally reasoned myself. I reasoned with myself for probably a f the entirety of a four-hour fishing trip on, I'm just going to keep tithing what I normally tithed, and I'm not going to raise it to what I just started making. And I'm going to just do that for a little while and kind of build up a little bit. You know, it's be nice. You know, the increase is nice. I, I want all of the increase now, you know. So let's say I get 300 extra dollars for a paycheck. I'm just going to, instead of tithing 30, I'm going to keep it. And by the, by the time the night came, we had finished the fishing trip. I was sitting in this camp. All my friends are doing whatever they're doing. And I'm kind of sitting at the island and I was doing some nighttime reading. And it just hit me. It's crazy, but I was reading about when Judas sold Jesus out that particular night. And when I realized I was selling out to 30 bucks, I realized, oh my gosh. You can lose a battle to mammon and not even realize it. Over $30. Judas sold Jesus for more than that. And so, man, I just repented it and I, and I tied that that day. Um, so anyway, it keeps your heart in line with God. And the last thing, and this is my most exciting part, it opens opportunities for God's provision. Um, Matthew 6, 30 and verses 33. I'll read to you guys and then I have some, some stories for you too. It says in Matthew, and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? He said, so you don't have to worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. I just told you all a story about this literally happening. Um, Why well, be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly father already knows all of your needs and he will give you all you need from, the, from day to day um, if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. I literally experienced that. I told you guys the story of Elijah's house a little early. I was going to tell it to you here, but I got carried away. Um, but look at that story. God provided food for me every day, literally, through other people. And he provided a place for me to stay, even though I didn't know where it was going to be. When I look back, I never, I never lacked. I never went without. And had I saved, if, I, if you do the math, had I saved all those tithe monies that I just talked about, I still wouldn't have been able to afford the first month's rent. So God literally let me save more money than I, than I realized, and it came from giving him the tithe. One more scripture. Bring into Malachi 3.10, what I read earlier. Bring all the tithes into the temple of the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple. If you do so, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be abundant 
For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not shrivel before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, and your land will be such a delight, says the Lord Almighty. These stories I'm fixing to tell you, I, I said everything I said tonight to lead up to these. These are my favorite to talk about. But when it says people will call you blessed, you know, when, when you tithe, that's actually an evangelistic opportunity. And I'll give you an example. Um, I love when this comes up with my friends who don't know God. Um, and it's not because I want them to think God is a, is a tooth fairy or I think God is Santa Claus. It's not. But this is really, this really happened. Whether we argue about semantics, whether we argue about theology, I don't know. Once I was blind and now I see, what can I tell you? So that's kind of my heart towards what I'm fixing to tell you. Um, when I first got into ministry, I had a truck. The truck had 90,000 miles on it. I bought it from my dad. He changed the brake pads one time at 35,000 miles and never changed them again. 90,000 miles, guess what? I'm well overdue for a brake job. Um, a brake job was like 180 bucks or something like that if you get somebody to do it. Guess how much my tithe was? Right around the same amount of money, coincidentally. So I'm, I'm working here, and once again in my life, I'm sitting there and I'm caught. Do I pay my tithe? And risk messing up my, my, my brakes really, really bad because it was, it was way past due? Or do I fix these and not pay the tithe this time? And it was another challenge. God, I had to go to the Lord, and this is what I decided to do. I made an appointment. I wasn't going to pay my tithe. I made an appointment. Cole Lusby, for those of you that know Cole, you can ask him this story because I, I was supposed to hang out with him that day. So I was going to drive to his house. And I was going to drop my truck off, and he was going to pick me up. So I made an appointment to get my brakes changed. I dropped my truck off at this place. I had Cole pick me up. And as we're riding away, I'm telling him about it. I'm confiding in him, and I'm telling him, Cole, here's the deal, man. I feel guilty about this, but I'm going to get my brakes done, and I'm not, I'm not going to tithe. And, um, you know, he's like, okay, you know, whatever. So... I had a little bit of savings, and I didn't want to dip into the savings. But the more I thought about it, I was like, God, I'm going to tithe. I trust you. And I don't know how I'm going to make sense of this, but I trust you. I'm going to tithe. And so I got on my, my phone, went on the Internet. I'm at his house, and I tithed. And I, as soon as I did that, a few minutes later, maybe an hour later, my phone rings. It's the place. And he can. T I want you guys to ask these references this because God has given given me the opportunity to be able to say, "Go ask him." I'm not lying, you know, because I want God to get the maximum amount of glory from this. I'm sitting there. They called me. They said, "Hey, do you have the the white F-150?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Um, your name Brady?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Hey, uh, we don't know which. What does your truck need to be in here for?" I said, "Well, I need I need new brake pads." He said, "Uh." You might want to come in, man. I mean, you, you can look at them, but they're fine. And I was like, no, man, they're past the point of squealing. They're grinding now. Like that, my, I might need new rotors at this point. I don't know. And he's like, mm, no. License plate number, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's it. All right, come in. So I tell that to Cole. It's halftime. We're watching a football game. He's like, we got enough time to go right now. So we get over there. I don't know, what, I don't know how else to say it. They were fine. 
I never had to change the brakes out on that truck. I drove it for 10,000 more miles. It wasn't squealing anymore. It wasn't grinding anymore. I don't know what to tell you. That's really what happened. And Cole could tell you that really happened. I drove it back to his house, and I'm just waiting. Oh, man, is it going to start grinding again? Was that dude wrong? And I looked, and there was a lot of tread left. So one of two things happened. If somebody says God didn't miraculously put some new brake pads on there, maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. Or somebody saw me and knew me and paid for them. I didn't see anyone I knew. But even if that's the case, they didn't realize that I was having to choose between my tithe or paying for those brakes. And they didn't know that I had made a decision to tithe and pull money out of my savings, the only money I had in my savings at the time, to pay for new brakes. God covered me on there. Guys, I could fill fill the rest of this night with stories. I got a story about my truck I'm driving now. I got a story about the house I'm living in now, which is crazy. Um, I got a story, another story about that that old truck that I was talking about. And I I think I'll tell that one because it's the shortest one. But last story. Is, is Is this story stuff boring or... No? Okay, this is real, man. Like, and this is so real. Um, so with Fords, there's this thing called my key. And what my key is, you get two keys. My key is a setting on your truck for guys like you. I'm just kidding, joking. But that's really what they put it for, like new drivers, that you can't go over 50 miles an hour, um, and you can't um, turn a volume over a quarter of the way. How boring, right? So most of you were like, oh, my God, it's, it's a hell vehicle, you know? So literally, I didn't know what it was. So I'm all the way in Lafayette. My dad has the only other key to the truck at his house, which is two hours away. I'm sitting in my driveway, and I'm definitely not listening to music at a quarter of the, the volume. And so I'm just like jamming, and I'm like, oh, figuring out settings on my truck. Like, oh, my key. Cool, I can personalize my key for myself. I wonder what that means, you know? And so I'm like, oh, my key. Boop. And I set the settings, the my key settings. You sure you want to activate? Yes. It prompts me again. Are you sure you want to activate the settings? Yeah. So then I'm like, I don't know what that was about. So I back up. I go to turn my radio up, and it doesn't go over a quarter. I'm like, what in the world's wrong with my truck? So I'm driving, and I can't go over 50 miles an hour. And I'm like, Dude, something's wrong with my truck. I'm Googling. This is the symptoms. Boom, my key comes up. God. So the only thing I could do to reset the my key is you bring both keys to the dealership, plug them both into a computer, you pay them $185 yeah, to reset the, the thing. And so I'm like, no. And so my dad's like, all right, you can come down here and get the other key. So I'm on the interstate at 50 miles an hour. With the radio at a quarter, you can't even hear the radio over the road noise. I was so aggravated by the time I got to, to Homa two hours away, and I get the other key. So now he has the my key. I got the other key. Okay, that's backstory. Fast forward a year. I'm still driving the same truck. I'm up here in Lafayette, and I don't. I, I lose my key. Where? I can't find it anywhere. I can't find my key anywhere. So I called my dad. Hey, man, I, I forgot all about the my key. I was like, can you mail me that key? Like, I'm not, I don't know how to get to you. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll overnight it. So he overnights me the my key. I get it in. Of course, I, I plug it back in, boom, start the truck. Doesn't go over 50, and it doesn't go over a quarter. I'm like, oh, this again wonderful you know and so 
I call the Ford dealership. I'm like, hey, tell them the situation. I need another key. I need you to reset this one. They said, okay, just bring both keys in. I said, well, I don't have one of the keys. They said, well, we need two keys that fit that truck. I said, well, I only got one. They said, okay, it's 185 bucks to reset the my key, and it's another $100 for a brand new key because they got a computer chip in those, key, in those Ford keys. So it's 285 bucks. And I'm like, so I got to come over there. Somehow, how am I going to get my, okay, so I'm going to drive over there, spend $285 just to not have to drive. Dude, are you for real? Yeah, so I'll call all these different dealerships. It's all the same thing. My like, God. So I wasn't about to be out of money if I tithed and paid that. And it wasn't an exact dollar amount. But it was one of those things of like, man, I've been budgeting for like two months, man. I, I saved up enough money to go buy this thing. And now I got to spend it on this key. And I was so tempted to not, not tithe because if I'd have just not tithed, I'd have had the money to buy what I wanted to buy, you know. And so I'm like, man. So I drove for like two weeks with this truck like this. And so I, I, I didn't, wasn't going to tithe, you know, when, when my paycheck came and all that type of stuff. So I'm so annoyed. I'm 55, going 50 miles an hour on the thing. I'm so aggravated. So, you know, terrible attitude. I ended up tithing um, on a Friday because I was off on Friday. And I get in my truck. And I'm going to the dealership. I call them. I'm like, hey, is there anything? Can you loan me a key? Or can you just reset this thing? Like, and they said, sir, you have to have both keys to reset the my key. There's no other way to do it. I'm Googling, YouTubing. All right, there's no other way to do it. Okay, fine. So I'm on my way. I'm on the phone talking to my dad. I'm griping and complaining about how ridiculous this is. They want to charge me $100 for a key and $180 to reset this one and Da, 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 da. I'm just going to town. I'm just so mad, you know? And um, I'm like, come on, man. I'm getting aggravated. I'm on the thruway. And of course, if you ever drive on the thruway, everybody's so slow on the thruway. So I'm like, oh, come on, man. Get out of the way. I'm having a little road, road rage moment. My windows are tinted, so they didn't know it was past the Brady blowing the horn, you know? And so I'm like, God, this is so aggravating. I'm like, hey, let me, let me call you back. I'm going to try to weave out of this traffic. I said, the speed limit's 70 miles an hour right here. And these people are going like 60 in a 70. And I'm trying to go. And so I hang up and I'm past these guys up. I'm about 70 miles an hour right now. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going 70 miles an hour right now. So I call my dad. I'm like, dude. Oh, I turned the volume all the way up. I'm like, what? I called my dad. I was like, hey, uh, you ain't going to believe this. I told him. He said, what? I said, dude, I'm telling you. I said, I pulled off into a gas station, turned the truck off, took the key out, put it back in. He's like, why'd you do that? What if it don't work again? I said, well, I got to take the key out at some point, you know. Just turned it back on, worked all over again. So I called the Ford dealership and said, hey, I don't need to come in no more. It just started working again. And they're, they're arguing with me because now I'm not going to make the appointment that they had set. So they have a missed appointment. And they're trying to convince me that there's no way that that my key could reset itself it requires a diagnostic computer. And I'm like, well, I'm just telling you, this thing just did that. Like, I don't know if you believe in the Lord, but I'm telling you God just reset my Mikey. <laughs> and I'm sure she thought I was, I was a looney tune, right? Um, I don't know, guys. All I know is that God has been good to me. I made decisions in my life that 
man, I, there's no way I would have afforded some of the things that I have now. And it's not about, listen, I'm not saying, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. If that's what you get out of this, you're missing the point. What I'm saying is God will provide for you. Keep your loyalty, keep your heart loyal to God. You can do that through tithing. What I'm telling you is the the law of tithing, no, you're right. Anybody that wants to say, we're not under the law, you're right. We're not under the Mosaic law of tithing, you're right. But we are under worship. God does desire those who worship him in spirit and truth. And if you worship God with everything, you can't leave your pocketbook outside the door of the church. So what I do want to encourage you guys is trust God. Test him in these things and see he will pour out his blessings. Y'all got time for one more? We got five minutes left. I can tell y'all one more story real quick. All right. So remember I told y'all the house. I walked away from that, walked away from the job, um, walked away from uh, getting married. So God's restored those things. And one of those things was, was with a house. And, um, you know, I, I always wanted to be a husband and a dad. I always wanted to um, do both business and ministry. And I always wanted to have my own home. That's just everything. Everybody wants that. That's just a dream everybody has, you know. And I left that. And, and for a while, I didn't know how in the world. I used to lament to God, God, you got me in my best friend's backyard. I'm happy for him. But every day I get to see everything I wish I had. Every day. And so I kept my heart right. I kept tithing. But I literally did all my research I could on whether I could afford a house or not. Guys, I couldn't self-contract my house and build it myself. I I couldn't financially do that. Um, I couldn't afford, uh, I could barely afford a very cheap apartment. Very cheap apartment. Um, I was in a position that, man, I was literally stuck. Literally stuck. The only house I could buy would have been like in St. Martinville, like far away from here, and I'd have had to fix it up, and I would have never got the money out of it that I had to put into it because the value would never have been what it needed to be. So I'd have bought a house for sixty grand, put thirty into it, and when I'm ready to sell it, I might sell it for seventy. So I'm losing money. I was there's nothing I could have done. I had looked for houses for two years, couldn't find anything. It was so bad, guys. When I go in the real estate office, the people working there like pitied me. And I hate that. I hate pity, you know? And it was like, oh, yeah, you never know, you know? All right, go look at dollhouses, you know? And so, like, I'm like, mm-hmm, like, a, like a sad song was playing or something. And so, um, one night, I'm lamenting to God. It was like a, thir- it was a Thursday night. I was off the next day, and I'm lamenting to God. And um, I knew I was getting paid at midnight. And I'm just being real with him. And I'm just telling him, God, I left everything for you. I left everything for you, man. I left a job. I left a future. I left a fiance. Pretty, I didn't propose that yet at the time, but I was about to. I left a house I was fixing to buy. I left everything for you. And I'm just being real with him. God, all I want is a home my own. And I'm just going on and on and on. And when I got all that out of my system, I just felt like worshiping God. And so I just started to worship him and just tell him, God, you know what? All those things aside, I'd serve you anyway. I'd serve you if I didn't have a penny. 
I'd serve you anyway. God, it's an honor to serve you when I ain't got anything of what I want. Because you know what, Lord? You can't question how much I love you. I love you, Lord. And while I'm worshiping him, I just start worshiping in this little house. And I'm just, I'm getting stoked just worshiping. I tithe that, that next morning, early that next morning. And I'm just, man, I'm praising God. And Next thing you know, I get a phone call at like 830. It's this lady, Miss Carol, who was my real estate agent. She goes, Hey, Brady, I could tell she was like really urgent. She's like, hey, I, listen, what are you doing right now? I was like, drinking coffee and trying to wake up on my day off. What you doing? You know, it's like 830 in the morning. So she's like, you have to come. And she gives me a Youngsville address. You have to come to this house. All right. So I'm on my way and she's telling me the details of the house. She said, listen, there's 10 neighborhoods that flooded in Youngsville after the August floods. She said two of them did not flood because of elevation. They flooded because the drainage wasn't connected to the city. So it's not going to be a future issue. It's going to be a fixed issue, but it needs to be repaired. The good news is you don't have to pay flood insurance because it's not in a flood zone. Um, She's giving me all this detail, and I'm so confused. I pull up. I walk in, and guys, I used to go look and dream, right? I'd go to the houses, to the neighborhoods with the signs that would say the 140s and above, the 150s and above, and I might be a little crazy and go in the 160s and above, but I've never even been in a $170,000 house and above neighborhood since I was looking. I pull in this one, and the sign in the front is way more than any of those. And I'm like, boy, this lady picked the wrong Brady to call. I ain't even like a fourth uh, qualified for this one, right? Like she's either high or she got the wrong file or both. So I, I pull up and I look at this house, and it's not like it's an amazing house, but way more, like way nicer than I was thinking about. So I walk in, and it's it's gutted. The house is gutted, um, and there's contractors going through it with like you know sheets, like looking at receptacles and plugging drills in, seeing what works, and they're checking all this place out. And I'm just looking like, oh my goodness! Now me and my dad have built houses before. I know we could flip this thing around. My dad's on his way up. He comes meet me. And the guy's like, all right, hey, man, um, or, or hey, Carol, thanks for your time. She, he leaves. And I said, Miss Carol, what's going on? She said, well, the owner started the bidding at $115,000. And he started bidding it out. And so uh, no promises here, but you could bid on it. And I know, and I'll just be open with you guys, that was the most I'd gotten approved for. Which, if you look for houses, they don't have none for sale for 115, you know. And so, <laughs> not even close to that. And I'm like, all right. This house appraised for right at 200,000, which was way off. <laughs> like, I never even looked at those houses. Like, I didn't even look at that, their third cousin, you know. So, I'm like, man, this is way out of my way. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. So a dude comes in. I don't know who this guy is, and I don't like him. But anyway, he comes in. He's got super tight slacks. He clearly starched his pants. He's got some super nice loafers. The dude was probably a, just a stud, all right? He, he pulled up in this nice car, tucked in, buttoned-down shirt, kept his glasses on when he came in, gelled hair, and he just walks in like a boss. And he goes, where's the bidding at? I don't know who this guy is. And there was another real estate guy in there that said, it's at 160 or 150. It's 150,000. The guy goes, I'll do 160. 
gives him a business card, walks out. Well, that's way out of my league. So I go in the backyard and by myself, my dad had just got there. He was a contractor for years. So he's looking and seeing like how much it would cost for him and I to put our, you know, sweat equity into this thing. So I go and um, I go in the backyard. Nobody was there. And I literally, I knelt down and I just said, God, I don't, I don't, this is beyond anything I've ever asked you for. I don't, I don't need this. This is more than I need. And so, Lord, if this is your will, then I, I receive it. But if not, I don't want it. It's okay. And in my heart, it did not have my heart. I walked inside. I thanked her for her time. I told my dad, hey. He's like, yeah, buddy. You know, it, it'd take us probably 20000 to put into it. You know, one fifteen. He said we maybe could do it for fifteen. I think we could do it for fifteen thousand. But I was like, all right. So we left. Ring, ring, ring. My phone rings. It's the dude who was selling the house. He said, Hey, um, are, is this the little guy that has been talking with Carol uh Grinrod, the lady who my real estate agent? I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, Yeah, I heard you um uh, heard you interested in the house. I said, Yes, sir. I said, but I don't want to insult you, man. He's like, well, make me an offer. I said, man, look, people in there, they're bidding like 150, 160. I can't do that. I can't even come close to that. He's like, well, make me an offer, you know? I said, well, I don't want to insult you. He's like, hey, look, I didn't ask you all that. Make me an offer. I was like, I can do 115. He's like, all right, cool. Meet me downtown at the uh, Carol's office. We'll do the paperwork. And he hangs up on me. And I'm like, what? So I, I called him back. I said, hey, yes, sir. Uh, I just want to make sure, you know, I'm so nervous. I'm like, uh, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm stuttering. I never stutter. I'm like, I said 115, not 150. Because I thought he thought I said 150. He said, yeah, I know. If you don't hurry up and get down here, I'm going to change my mind. And hung up on me again. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, <laughs> speed. <laughs> so I called my dad. My dad's not believing this. He's like, no way. No way. Why would somebody leave all that on the table? I get there. I never met this dude in my life. He didn't know nothing about me, nothing. We did the paperwork that day, bought the house. I got all kind of favor at the Stein over there. I didn't, it didn't even take 15000 to redo the house. Every day I'd preach here on Wednesday nights. Y'all didn't know this. I'd preach here on Wednesday nights. I'd go over there and I'd work till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, go to sleep on a mattress. I could see my front door from my back bathroom because I didn't have no walls at the bottom. Redid the whole thing for way less. So if you think about this, I know I'm talking about tithing. I'm talking about the favor of God. I'm talking about these scriptures. If you think about this, the house would have costed $200,000. The, I didn't tell you all a truck story, but I, I pretty much got a truck for like 25 or 20, almost 20 grand less than what it was selling for because I ran into the owner of the business in basketball shorts and a t-shirt when they were closed and he asked me which one I liked on the lot I thought he was a he's my age I thought he was a dude that just random guy he takes me in his office asks me if he can run his credit I'm confused as to what's going on he's like well what if I told you I could do this in this note and I'm like wait what am I buying a truck right now and he's like wasn't this your old note on your truck that just broke down I was like yeah he's like would be the same thing it's affordable. And I was like, this truck you're talking about? He's like, yeah. I'm like, how are you doing this? He's like, 
man, I feel like the Lord just, no, he said, I felt led to, to bless you. That's the words he used. And I'm like, I said, you are, I said, you want them Christians? And he was like, yeah, knows nothing about me at all. I'm like, man, so that's unbelievable. He's like, yeah. I said, um, uh, man, he's like, are you? I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, okay. He said, uh, I felt led to bless you, man. I said, yeah. He said, well, where you live? I said, Lafayette. He goes, me too. This is in Homa, by the way. He goes, me too. I said, well, who are you? How can you even do this? He's like, well, my name's Greg. The dealership's Greg LeBlanc. And he's Greg LeBlanc Jr. He's the son who just took over like two months ago from his dad. Because like, some, that's neither, I don't need to tell the rest of the story. But it just took over from his dad. And he felt out of blessing. He goes, what you do? And I'm like crying at this point. I'm like, I'm a pastor. Now he's crying. Oh my God, I heard the Lord. And it's like, all I'm saying is like, man, look, God's a good God. Yeah. He's not a God that requires a law. He don't bound nobody to follow him. He loves you so much that if you know how much he loves you, you want to follow him. And, and, and I don't serve God because of those things he's done for me. If you remember some of those stories, I was worshiping the Lord before any of that. That's the point. That's the point. So I, I could keep going, guys. And I'm, I mean, it's already five or ten after. There's more stories I'd love to tell you because it just brings glory to God. Um, but why don't you guys stand up and um, we don't we don't need keys. I'm just gonna pray. I'm a little late. Um, but here, here's what I want to pray. Here's what I want to pray. Uh, I, I don't know why, but some people have a certain uh, gifting or favor or something. I just feel like I have a, a gifting or favor on my, on my life in this area. And it's nothing to do with me. I just feel like it's, I don't know. You know, so I, what I want to do is I just want to pray for everybody in, in this room. Uh, why don't you close your eyes on me? I want to pray um, that God would bless you. I want to pray that God would give you favor. And I want to pray that you would have a heart connection in, in all areas, but especially the area of finance. Okay. And, um, I'm just going to pray that over you guys. Lord, right now, we're in a posture of humility. We acknowledge that by your grace, you can do some amazing things. We take your word at what it says. You said, test me in this and see if I don't pour out blessing on you. But God, we know that you desire those who worship you in spirit and in truth. And that's what, we're, that's what we're doing right now, God. I pray that the heart of every person, you look into the heart of every person. Lord, I bless their heart. I bless them. I pray that they have a heart connection with you in every area. But I pray they have a heart connection with you in the area of finances. Lord, the war between mammon and God. Lord, I pray grace and empowerment over their hearts to win that battle. God, I pray that anytime there's an area of lack, they would remember to call out for your provision. I pray that every time there's an opportunity to worship you with a tithe, that they would know to do it and they would remember to do it. And God, I pray that they would, they would see the fruit that I've seen in my life. God, I bless them 
from, from where I stand. I firmly believe, Lord, that it's hard for us to give something that we haven't received. But God, you've blessed me. You've been good to me. You've given me favor in these areas. And God, I know it's directly related to keeping my heart in line with you, to, to keeping mammon out of my pocketbook and keeping you in it. And God, trusting and depending on you. And God, I pray that same thing over everybody in this room. Lord, I pray that you will bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.